Welcome to the Vestimal Podcast, the show about Vestimal and industrial networking. I am one of your hosts, Evelina, and I am joined by my colleague, Ant. Thanks, Evelina. I am so excited about this episode. Me too, Ant. Because today we're going to be speaking with Monaco, our industry market director. Before joining Westmo in 2019, Monaco spent over 10 years at ABB as a global product manager, starting out as a substation engineer. His experience and knowledge contributes to our developing energy sector at Westmo, and his spirit and contagious energy only make him even more fun to be around. Yes, and we are going to talk about the energy sector and how industrial networks fit in. The power grid is both critical for a population to thrive and to develop. Equipments also need to be suitable for the harsh environment demands that the energy sector typically has, with high voltage lines usually in the same area as network systems, meaning that businesses like Westmo have to design equipment suitable. So let's not wait anymore. Here's our conversation with Monaco, and let's get energised listeners. Welcome, Monaco, and thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Westmo podcast. Thank you very much, Evelina and Ant, for, for having me here. Let's dive right into this uh, with you telling us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up at Westmo? Um, essentially, what did that journey look like for you? All right, so it's a, it's a very long story. Everything started in 1984. <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, I, my thing is... Uh, uh, coming from Brazil to Sweden was already a big difference, a big change for me. And that happened. I was, as most of you know, I was working in ABB in Brazil. And then I moved to ABB Sweden uh, seven years ago. I had this opportunity in the central department, so to say, to be the global product manager there. Uh, dealing with a IC61850 and substation automation products. So that's what I was doing in ABB in Sweden. And then uh, two and a half years ago, something like that, then I was invited by, by, by Jenny and Eric to join the Westermo team and to lead the energy segment um, as, as the market director for that. So that's how I ended up here. Uh, so a little bit part of my journey. It has been a lot of learning, especially cultural changes. And that was the part that I really appreciated the most of my move to Sweden and the global role I had in ABB and also the, the global role I have in Sweden, getting the opportunity to get in contact with different cultures and, and see different people and know about different markets and different uh, customer needs and so on. That's, that's really what keeps me excited about what I do. Well, we're certainly happy to have you now with us at Westmall Monaco. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and um, like like Evelina said, thanks for coming on. So we like to keep things really nice and casual. Uh, and the most important question of today is, what are you drinking? Well, today, exceptionally, I'm not drinking my espresso cup. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have an Earl Grey uh, tea uh, cup with me. So... I'm doing that uh, today. I'm I'm starting to feel some stomach ache, uh, maybe for taking too much, too many Nespresso. 
uh, cups and I still don't look like George Clooney, so I, I gave up on that. So I went to the tea and I, maybe I can look like Queen Elizabeth. I'm not sure if that's a good idea. <laughs> I, think, I think you'd look quite good in a crown. So, um, For yeah. sure. <laughs> no, I like that. That's good. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. I, today I've got I've got a fruit tea with me, which is which is really nice because it's 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 a little bit muggy uh, in the UK, but it's nice to have a, a cup of tea in the uh, in the afternoon. So um, that's really good. And Evelina, what about you? Yeah, right. I've already hit my limits on caffeine for today. Uh, three cups of coffee. Um, <laughs> so I'm sticking to water now. It's quite warm. Um, here, actually, so um, water, what it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Monaco, uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about the energy sector uh, and just how how important is it in our daily lives? Uh, well, it is. Uh, if I if I put it like this. Yeah, there is no way of being modest when we're talking about that you're working in the electricity department. Just shut down your lights and shut down your Wi-Fi connection and see how you, <laughs> how long can you last? <laughs> Especially the heating long. system, yeah, not very long. So the the energy is all around us, and um, this is uh, this is one thing that I I'm very excited about working and and working in the energy department, uh, working with the energy uh, segment, because it is all about uh, it's the basic infrastructure for for our society pretty much, and especially now that we see this trend that we're going for a more um, greener way of producing energy and focusing on greener ways to have more electricity things, stepping away from the carbon dioxide emissions or trying to reduce as much as possible. It is a massive change in everything that we do. We might not feel uh, in our daily lives, but it has been put a lot of challenges and a lot of uh, yeah new uh, situations for the electricity companies, for the power companies, for the energy companies as a whole. I can mention some examples of that. Uh, so if you take the biggest oil producers in the world, uh, you will see the companies, uh, not the countries, but the companies, they are turning themselves to be more focused on energy. So you see companies like, I don't know, uh, British Petroil, uh, changing logos for green style. You see companies like in Norway, Statoil, out of a sudden, a new name, Equinor is there, and the logo is green. So turning into energy companies, and the same thing is happening with Total in France, with Shell in Netherlands, and, and um, uh, there was a name of an Italian company that <laughs> now skipped me, yeah, Inai. Inai. So they, they are changing to be more focused to energy, not only oil exploitation. And that shows a lot. That shows a lot of what's happening in the world. And, and these challenges are, are really, um, I would say, we're, we're facing this challenge because we want to be 
a better society. We want to be safer when it comes to, yeah, we want to respect the planet a little bit more and uh, we want to be more sustainable in that sense so we can last longer. So uh, we are putting this challenge to ourselves and I think that's good. And being a part of this transition at this very moment, it's, it feels great. It feels great to have a, a part in this play. And I think you're right as well. Like um, you were saying about how much we could survive without, um, you know, different things. It's like charging your phone, for example. You know, the idea that you can just plug your phone in and it always charges is is something that we take for granted. Except when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you can't charge your charge your phone. So it's an integral part of our everyday lives, and we 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 I think we can take it for granted. Um, but what what you're saying and and what is the most positive thing definitely on on my side is that green shift. We are seeing that businesses and and people are becoming a lot more um, conscious of their their um, their carbon footprint. Um, you know, with a shift towards electric cars and you know solar panels and and alternative methods of actually producing um, producing energy um, as well. So so. Now that, that that that's 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 a really really interesting point that you said. So, with with that in mind, then with uh, Monaco, as Westmo as a company, how are they involved in the energy sector? And and tell us a little bit more about your involvement with um, with Westmo in the energy sector. All right. So um, before I talk about the Westmo, maybe introducing the story a little bit. Um, I I usually summarize that the this energy transition that we're seeing now. I summarize with the concept of three Ds, which is not mine. I'm not that clever, but I just added a plus C in the end, which I think makes total sense to what we do. So the three Ds is the first D is for the decarbonization. So decarbonization is precisely this change from uh, stepping away from carbon um, uh, fossil based uh, power generation into more renewables power generation, which is uh, pretty much focus in wind and solar, especially now that the technology is getting uh, cheaper for wind and solar since it's more massively uh, applied worldwide and new wind farms every day, new solar parks every day, not only on the power distribution level, but also in even in commercial and industrial levels. We see companies doing that. You see Google and Facebook and Amazon signing contracts for um, power supply from from renewable power sources, uh, you would read that every day, pretty much. So this change is happening, as I mentioned, so we can uh, fulfill the targets for the Paris Agreement, and then we can try to keep the, the global warming below a uh, plus two Celsius degrees level. So that was the agreement, and hence the trend of uh, uh, stepping away from fossil uh, generation into renewable generation. That is great. That opens a lot of possibilities, uh, but also a lot of challenges. If you think about uh, wind parks and solar parks, they can now be much smaller. Uh, so you don't have to have a massive uh, thermal power plant somewhere in the country or a hydropower plant close to that big river uh, somewhere in the country. Uh, you can basically have a solar rooftop, uh, solar rooftop on your house, and you can have a wind, one single wind turbine in your farm, and there you go. You're generating power already. So this uh, this brings us to the decentralization, to the second D, 
So decentralizing the power matrix, uh, making it simpler uh, to have scattered power plants, smaller power plants in different voltage levels in the power distribution chain, uh, which is great. So we can have the power uh, supply closer to the power consumption, for example. But this brings an additional challenge that is, uh, well, the wind is not always there when you need it. And uh, the sun is not always shining when people are consuming electricity. And uh, the, the energy storage is not as efficient as uh, storing water or gas or oil, something like that. So you really need to have the electricity generated at the moment of the consumption. It's, a, it's an immediate balance that has, has to happen. So how do you cope with that? So this decentralization and this uh, being based more in fossil free generation increases the challenge of balancing the energy consumption, the electricity consumption, which leads us to uh, battery storage units, which leads us to have backup with, uh, with gas. And you see some, some initiatives also with hydrogen plants that are popping up uh, here and there worldwide as well. And, and in order to cope with this decentralized power scheme, power grid now, uh, the power companies, they noticed that, okay, the amount of uh, supervision, the, the, the level of supervision that I have towards my grid is not enough anymore. Uh, they were used to um, monitoring uh, their electricity down to the primary substations, to the grid substations, which is the big ones like the 30 kilovolt substations that you would see uh, beside the roads and so on. This is the level where they were stopping uh, in monitoring a few years uh, ago. But now they see uh, solar rooftops being connected to the grid on the 220 voltage level. You have wind turbines being connected to the grid on the 6 kV voltage level. How can they identify that this is the um, where this thing is coming, how much power is it supplying to me now, how much power it will supply in 15 minutes from now. So they need to have a better control of exactly what's going on throughout the entire power grid, not only down to the primary substation, but lower to the secondary substation and even to our houses. So the only way to get a better control of things is to get more information about things. And then, and then I bring my third D here, which is the digitalization. So they saw the need to digitalize the entire grid from power supply, from power generation to transmission to distribution, which was already there, but then getting lower to secondary substations and smart meters in houses and so on. So having a full control of everything that it's been consumed and produced throughout the entire power grid. So the only way to do that is to have digital uh, measurements and transmitting those measurements to the, to the control centers. Uh, and then, so these are the three Ds, decarbonization, decentralization, and digitalization. And then I added a plus C in the equation because the more digital assets you have in the scheme, uh, the more exposed to cyber threats you are. So then it comes the C in the equation. So there is a need to make sure, okay, everything is great. This uh, digital assets are great, but we need to make sure that they are protected. 
we need to make sure that the risk for cyber attacks uh, is under control. Of course, uh, there is no cyber attack if there is no digital thing. If it's just a landline based uh, telephone or, or a, a postman delivery letter, so there is no cyber threat on that. But uh, so the more digital you are, the more exposed you are. But there is a need to control, uh, to protect the entire ecosystem. So not only one device or another device, but the entire infrastructure should be protected. So there you go, 3, 3D plus C. And then uh, back to your question, how is Westermo involved in the energy sector? We are really focusing on the last D and the C. These are our expertise areas. We are providing uh, the infrastructure, uh, the network infrastructure for the digitalization in the grid. And we are providing our knowledge and our solutions to, to give the customers the best cybersecurity solutions for the power scheme. And that and that is um, and that is in everything that we do, the products that we do, the infrastructure with the routers, the switches, cellular routers, Wi-Fi solutions, uh, Ethernet extenders. So these are the guys that are getting the information from the smart meters, from the low voltage substation uh, monitoring systems and, and RTUs and, and PLCs connecting to our network equipment bringing that data, whether it's a fiber optic or a cellular wave, you're bringing that to the control center. So establishing the digital communication part and making it in a cyber secure way. So bringing all the knowledge that we have in-house, all the solutions from our uh, supply chain under control, having the manufacturing in Sweden uh, or in Europe, most of the cases, uh, having controlled everything that we produce, we design and we deliver to the customer. Uh, so it's not only about the products, the solutions, but our entire process on how do we handle uh, the product manufacturing process. And that is uh, how we can contribute to this scheme. So that was a long, a long answer to a very short <laughs> well, no, question. You, you, you hit some really good points there, Monaco. And I think one of the things that um, sort of some of the, the, the things that I've heard going around before is is like the word prosumer, isn't it? Is where the producer, the consumer is now producing it with um, people having solar on their and on their houses. And 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 one of the best things that I, I, I to get your head around that was was someone described to me as it's like water going back up the tap. We, yeah. The water companies always had a one way system of where you know they would always turn the, the the you'd always turn the tap on and the water would come out but suddenly now everyone's got you know has the opportunity to get solar panels and you know the energy industry was always one way street people were turning their lights on and they were never putting anything back but now there's this this I'm going to excuse the pun here the surge <laughs> of it going back up upstream and and the energy companies have to deal with that 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 surge at different times as well when it's let's say more windier or less windier or you know whether it's hotter or sunny sorry sunnier and and they now have to control that um and, and you've also said um you know mentioned things like batteries as well is rather than now um that the energy companies are now storing the energy themselves it's actually the home users are now storing the energy they, they said one of the biggest sort of battery developments now are cars of, for battery storage is a car is is essentially a mobile storage unit that, that you could withdraw in your in your house, for example, when you're not using it, and then charge it back overnight. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I think one of the other things as well is is what you've also said is is for decentralization, areas that power was never generated before is now being generated. I think one of the one of the sort of quite sort of famous ones in the UK is they've now started to put solar farms on top of reservoirs, and they're floating solar farms. And yeah. and one of the things that helps with it generates energy for the water companies, but it also reduces um, water evaporation as well because it's a large mm-hmm. area that's being covered. So energy is not only providing energy for a, a local area; it's now preventing um, water being evaporated, which is which is one of the biggest challenges, especially in places like California and you know over here not so much. But I know when you take off from Heathrow, depending on how the plane turns, you can see it. I think it's, I can't remember the the reservoir that's around there, but but you hit some really really interesting points. So and 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 I love the three Ds, the plus the C as well. I think I think <laughs> I think it's a really good thing to hear. So moving on to the the next step as yeah, well. Ju- and go on, sorry, ju- Monica. Just to, yeah, just to add the thing that I think you touched a very interesting point with the cars and the batteries. Mm-hmm. I would like to uh, elaborate a little bit on that as well, just so so we all understand the how complex this problem is. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are things that also surprised me when I started to learn more about the energy segment and I started to study a little bit more. So for example, today we are very much used into paying different electricity prices depending yeah. on the day or, or the time of the day because they the companies know that, well, most of the people, they leave their houses to go to work before the pandemic, I mean, <laughs> and then and then they spend uh, from eight to five in in their office, and then they come back home, uh, which is night, so you don't have so much sunlight anymore, and you have everybody back home, so that's the moment where the electricity peaks, the electricity consumption peaks, so then the power uh, thermal power plants they need to heat up, turb, uh, go for harder on the generators, so taking it to this. Uh, uh, the extra mile in the in the thermal generator, which makes electricity to be more expensive. So that's mm-hmm. why you were paying more electricity on the night uh, than than it was during the day, for example. Uh, but then uh, now the the uh, if the electricity price scheme continues like that, that would enable people to, for example, charge their Teslas during the afternoon, mm-hmm. just so they could sell the electricity back during the night. Or, or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. So then the company said, well, uh, we need to be smarter than that as well. <laughs> yeah, I was going so, to say, that's, that's clever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, the, the thing about clever is that uh, there's always someone that is cleverer than you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, they need to cope with that too. So the scheme is getting more complex and that's mm-hmm. why the, the business model for the power companies and for us consumers or prosumers, as, as you rightfully pointed out, uh, this scheme is changing. It has to change. Mm-hmm. And that demands a lot of information exchange. It demands a very complex uh, scheme, not only when it comes to infrastructure, but also cybersecurity again, since your house is... Uh, now uh, generating data that needs to go to the control center or somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this data could be tempered uh, mm-hmm. either in your house if you want to do something bad with it or along the way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the complexity is, uh, is really there. So that, that, that's why it's really exciting moments 
if we see the challenge not as a problem, but, but as an opportunity to evolve, mm -hmm. this is really exciting times in the energy uh, in the energy ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To jump in, yeah, something that I'm realizing now, just listening to this, is uh, I'm, I'm a recent uh, homeowner uh, and I've got uh, solar um, panels on my roof, meaning that I'm now realizing I, I am a prosumer mm -hmm. uh, and all this is becoming you know, much more relatable to me um, because of that. And uh, I'm really excited about the, the fact or, or thinking about being self-sufficient sort of with, with uh, mm -hmm. producing energy and, and heating my house. So I'm really um, excited about, about uh, this uh, transition that we're, we're a part of now. And, 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 yeah. and, and you, that, that's being brought, you know, those, that, that energy is being pushed back to, as much as it's being used in your house, it's also being pushed back into the grid. So originally when those solar panels were put on, uh, on your property, the system has to be ready to deal with that, you know that that essentially that injection from at different times of day as well because as much as i know about sweden i know it gets dark and i know it gets dark for a long period of time so you're going to have different months in different countries and different areas as well you know you, sweden and, and, and the scandinavian countries are known for 24-hour sunlight so you now have to have a system that deals with a, essentially different to the uk with the amount of hours of sunlight that you're going to be you know, generating energy for as much as countries near the equator and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, but that, that that's 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 really interesting. So, uh, as much as you, we were talking about Westmo and things like that, we we have to congratulate you for and, and just you and everyone else part of Westmo as well for all the effort that's gone into the uh, certification with the new Red Fox, um, with the Kima approval. So, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and why it's important and 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 what? what products been approved and, and, and what that process was like. Because you, you've worked very, yeah. very hard on this and I know you've been very much involved with it and all over our social media there's been pictures of you with a big smile on his face yeah. with a certificate. Um, <laughs> and what I want to know is if he let go of, you know, if you still got that certificate, is that under lock and key or have you let any, is that, is that now in the office or is it? <laughs> no, we actually made a thousand and thirty copies and we distributed worldwide. <laughs> Just so we can shout out to the world that we made it. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, it has been a diff uh, very um, challenging process, I can say, uh, but it has been re very rewarding in the end. Um, now, of course, that we we made it, that we won, uh, it will sound very uh, fluffy that I said that I was always sure that we're going to make that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but this was uh, this was a hard hard work from the team, and uh, my contribution was the smallest one. So. The team has really worked hard. The R&D team, the product management team at Vestimo, they worked hard throughout this entire process. Uh, we didn't know uh, that it would be that hard. Uh, we can tell you that. Uh, but that also raised, at least in our eyes, the perspective of thinking, okay, if this process was that hard for us, so it was either that hard for others or others were not through this uh, the same journey that we did. So we started to look into it uh, a little bit more. And then maybe if I take one step before, just talking a little bit about the, the thing, the, pr the product as such, mm -hmm. right? The, the Red Fox uh, 5728, uh, which is our substation automation switch for, for a rack switch. 
that has been the product that was uh, under thinking and under development when I joined Westemo two and a half years ago. So it, it was really like my baby. And I was uh, at the point in time, I, I was wondering who will be born first, if it's the Red Fox 5728 or, or my son, Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out that Luigi won that race. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it has been really uh, a journey for us to learn about the substation automation market because we wanted to contribute with that part in the energy segment as well. Uh, well, now we are only uh, on the radio, so we, you don't have the... You don't see my hands when I'm moving it, but uh, if I drawn that entire energy segment uh, workflow from power generation, transmission, distribution, um, we were covering almost all the cases with Westmo solutions, except substation automation. So it was a big accomplishment for us as well to cover the very last application case within the energy segment that we were not able to bring to our customers the Westmo label, the Westmo quality. And now we can. So it was uh, th that smile on my face on that picture does not only mean that we made through the certification, the 6150 certification for that product, but also meant the fact that we can now cover the entire uh, uh, energy segment. There is nothing that we at Westemo cannot uh, supply our customers with, with our products in the energy segment. So that's why. I was extra smiling. So the last uh, two inches of smile you would see, <laughs> they were actually from, from that perspective. And uh, as I was talking about the, the, the process, it was tough um, and really raised our, our eyes into, yeah, okay, it was tough for us. Was it tough for the others as well? Uh, is it everybody who made the same product with the same reliability, with the same... Uh, robustness as we did, yeah, maybe not. Uh, so then uh, looking into competition, we started to see, and also from my side, learning a little bit more about IC61850-3 certification. What are the different reliability classes? What are the, 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 the environmental areas you are installing that device inside a substation? And then we saw that, okay, we're not the only ones doing what we do, but uh, now the, the range of competitors that are in the same level of ours are way smaller. So now the, the, the big challenge that we have is to uh, be able to show that to our customers, why you should go for such a reliable product if you're talking about such a complex problem, which is the energy segment as we just described. So that's the message that we need to convey now. And that is our challenge. The product is done the very best product in the substation automation world is now released. Now, the only thing we need to do is to show our customers that, yeah, this is what you really need. If you're talking about reliability and robustness, that's what you need. Now, that's, that's really interesting to hear that. And, and yeah, no, I, I, it was at the conference and, and like I said, it was great to see you there smiling with it. And that was a, that was a big moment for I think, like you said, everyone involved. Um, so, uh, you know, congratulations for that. And and I'm, you know, coming from where we are in the UK, you know, we we have an energy sector um, that that's, you know, developing much in the UK. So, it's good to see that we now have the product range that can do all those things. Especially now, also understanding that that journey you went on is also part of that as well. So it it, it 
you, what you're saying is is that certification is not just the the award at the end. It's it shows that Westerbo has been on that that whole journey and have completed it to to the highest standard that's available. Uh, yeah, really, uh, it's really interesting and inspiring uh, hearing you talk so passionately about about energy. Uh, and it's clear that you have a lot of experience uh, on the subject. Um, so something that I really want to know uh, is that is there something from your past working at ABB or, or even now at Westemo, uh, any experiences you've had while working on site um, that stands out to you in any way that you'd want to share with us? Well, uh, definitely my funniest stories were during my commissioning times when I was in ABB in Brazil <clears throat> and uh, I was uh, I was the lead engineer and the engineering manager uh, later for for the substation automation department in Brazil for ABB. Uh, and then uh, going to commissioning is, is really the moments when you're installing the equipment in the field and see how it is uh, used uh, and why is it for, why is it that robust, how the environment looks like, because I don't know about you guys, but before that job, I have never stepped into a uh 230 kilovolt substation before right it was not my preferred places to spend my weekends if i <laughs> if say, i put it like that, that have, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it is interesting when you think about that and you are there then you say like god damn it this transformer is big that could fry me in, in a quarter of a second <laughs> i would be toasted so it is. Uh, it is really big. Uh, the stuff is there, and and you you need to be, uh, you need to have respect to it. Yeah, the the damage that you can do is uh, really is really a thing. And uh, well, now talking about the funny moments, uh, I, I was uh, talking on the corner with Ant about that uh, a few a few days back. Uh, in one of the commissionings that we had. I was actually, it was one of the first moments that we were delivering this, the ABB solution for a customer. It was a mining customer and uh, it was uh, the oldest mining plant in Brazil. So they started in 1947 and the infrastructure that we were modernizing was actually from the 70s. So you can imagine how respectable I was for that thing that was older than me. <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, and then uh, the challenge was uh, from the customers and like yeah we're going to do this project and this plant is running and uh, there is one condition we cannot shut down anything anything if you shut down this plant we are in serious trouble because we are producing uh now i can't recall the number but it was like 1.5 tons of iron per day and that means 1.5 million dollars per hour uh, so if you shut down this plant for 12 hours, uh, you know that you probably will have to work for the rest of your life and your sons <laughs> and your grandsons to pay your debt. <laughs> so, so please try to keep it operating. I said, sure, yes, I got the message. So we were in commissioning and uh, so we were uh, testing the, the, the automation system, right? So the ABB automation system communicating with uh, non-ABB relays. Uh, the protection relays, and we were testing the communication, sending uh, open and close comments to the circuit breakers, 
And so, so you imagine uh, the circuit breakers, the, the very same device you have at your house in one electricity panel in the back of the kitchen uh, door, probably. Uh, but uh, so the function is open and close, right? Interrupt the electricity that goes through it. Uh, but, but then imagine a circuit breaker, which is the, the same thing, but the size of your fridge. Uh, that, that's, that's how big it is. Uh, and that was for a 30... 36 kilovolt maybe. So that's what we were testing. <clears throat> I was sending open and comment from, from my uh, HMI screen to, to the breaker. And then once we started uh, testing it, so we were open, opening a, a spare breaker that was in the substation. So we were doing all the commissioning with that spare thing. So it was okay to open and close. You were not interrupting the circuit. But then when I sent the same, the first open command, so all the the the, the information from the breaker to the to, to the uh, to the SCADA system was fine. But then I send the open command. It's a very loud noise that makes in the substation because it's a big piece. And then we heard pa pa no. twice, and I was like, huh, funny. I heard an echo. <laughs> I think it's how the substation is built. And then when I was about to close the breaker, then the, 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 the customer, who is the guy, the engineer from the customer, he was the one sitting close to the breaker. He came running to the, to the skater room where I was uh, like crazy and was like, what the hell have you done? What did you do? <laughs> close the breaker, close the breaker. And I was like, what? And then he took the mouse from my hand and started desperately to try to close the breaker. And then, and then we closed the breaker and again the echo. Bah, bah. I was like, why is there an echo in the <laughs> in the breaker room? He said, there is no echo. You open all the breakers from the entire substation. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> well, like I'm pretty sure I closed only the spare one and then he said I'm pretty sure you did it because I was in front of them <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah so uh, well what happened is that I shut down the entire high voltage substation and that means that I entire I shut down the entire mining plant uh, for uh, a few seconds, but that was enough to disturb four hours production for them. So then it was like that. Uh, we, we, we say that the milliseconds are crucial for the substation automation, right? And you will hear me saying that when I'm presenting to customers network recovery protocols that we have. That's why the FRNT is great. Milliseconds are crucial. And I can tell you how was the, the sequence of events on that day. It was like this. I, we closed, we opened the breaker in time zero. Three seconds later, we closed the breaker. Uh, 30 seconds later, the phone was ringing. Uh, and then a one and a half minute later, there was a car with four managers from the customer and he, they wanted to know who the hell shut down the entire mining plant. <laughs> why, the, why on earth would this person do that? So they were in front of me and talking to me and so like, what the hell happened, young man? <laughs> 
so I think I lost like five kilos in uh, yeah in ten minutes, and uh, I was trying to figure out what I did wrong. At the end of my investigation, uh, under the supervision of four big managers, I found out that luckily it was not my fault, <laughs> <laughs> but it was more like, uh, how can I put it uh, in a polite way? It's a misinterpretation of the IC6150 standard from the protection relay manufacturer, not the ABB SCADA system. And that was proven later by, by the guys who wrote the 62050 standard, who worked for ABB by the time, thank God. And they, they helped me to prove A plus B on my, my cause. And I say, see, it was not my fault. So you can charge the six million bucks from whoever <laughs> else, not me. <laughs> oh, oh. But that, that was, uh, yeah, that uh, is uh, a day that you learn the pressure, time pressure. <laughs> It's really something. Putting high stakes to to new level. I'm sure if if you still have nightmares about that, that's totally understandable. I think and also, I was yeah. gonna say also you've got uh you yeah <laughs> you've got your um you're right there Monaco. You've got your son that uh doesn't have to pick up your shift as well. Yeah, I wasn't remembering about the story. <laughs> <laughs> we're slowly slowly yeah make sure you, you yeah, drink your water. Evelina you're right still causes me nightmare <laughs> <laughs> and um I was gonna say what I was saying where you you were you were trying to catch your breath was it at least your son doesn't have to work in uh, ABB and work off your his dad's debts either so we'd, we'd uh... rather have him at Vestimal for sure <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> if the football it's a... career doesn't happen yeah if the football career doesn't happen <laughs> then he can, he can come and uh... Absolutely. <laughs> Come on, that is a that's a fantastic story, and and uh, I've been on site, and I've never ever experienced that. I, I think my only time I've ever had, I've heard a breaker go off, and I never want to hear another breaker go off. So, <laughs> hearing that, you know, next to you, and someone's pressing the button, then that would scare me to death. So, um, I think it, they they make a very loud noise, and that's all I'm definitely <laughs> going to say about it. And I've always walked into the rooms, and they say. You, you know, they. I always ask, where are the breakers and everything? Like you know, they're over there, and it's like, you know, and you're always in there, and you're always a little bit on edge, waiting for one of them to go off. So there's always that, yeah. like that, that moment of like, please, please don't go off, otherwise I'm gonna just, <laughs> I'm gonna jump out of my skin. Yeah, and and, and Evelina, if you're curious about that, actually the ABB demo room in Vesteros, in the oh. close to the train station, they have now, uh, they have one of those uh, medium voltage cabinets that the size of your fridge and there's a circuit breaker there and uh, that you can actually operate <laughs> and i found that out when i was with my family visiting <laughs> investors and i was showing to my uncle i said like yeah this is the product that i used to work when i was in abb and here you can open the breaker and then the the high <laughs> the loud noise came up <laughs> <laughs> But then it was only a demo thing, of course. But then uh, my wife and my family were, were scared to that. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> so like, don't worry, I got this. I got, I've done this before. <laughs> wow, I gotta, I gotta check that out. <laughs> Is there a yeah, picture absolutely. on the wall that says, do not let this man operate any breakers? <laughs> like, it's like... 
you know, this is for kids. This is this is for kids five and up, and no monocos. Have you seen this? Man? <laughs> Have you seen this? <laughs> it's that red button, you know. That do not press the red button. It's oh, so hard not to press yeah, it. You're, you're gonna you're gonna push it. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely fantastic. So moving on to to um, uh, from that, moving on to this. To, Briefly describe, and I know this is going to be a bit vague bit here, but how do you see, you know, where do you see the um, sort of the future of the energy sector is and how do you think it's moving forward? We've already discussed things like batteries and prosumer and you've got your 3Ds plus your, your, your C. So where do you think, I know it's very it's sort of broad, but where do you think the energy sector is going to go? I think on my side, I think decentralization is going to be one of the biggest ones. You know, like we said, people yeah. are going... People are going to have the opportunity to generate their own power. It's going to be a lot more greener, and we're going to be pumping that back into the grids. But, but you know, and Evelina, as as she said, as the homeowner, is now one of those without even realising. So I'm sure she's amongst many other people as well that don't realise that they are. But, but yeah, Monaco, on your side, what do you think the future is in the energy sector? Yeah, I'm, I just uh, second your opinion there, and then I can extend a little bit further. So the decentralisation is definitely... Uh, the journey and the renewables is definitely the journey indeed and that will cause that will cause so many changes in the in the electricity scheme that we have today example if we can produce the electricity much closer to the consumption for example evelina having a solar rooftop in her house and so she is producing electricity that she's consuming maybe there's some leftovers she can sell to the to the very neighbor that now out of a sudden has a Tesla and it's it's demanding a lot of electricity in in his house. So that means that the electricity production and consumption will be more closer to the to the lower side of the pyramid, so to say, to the to the consumers, to the prosumers. And that is causing uh, people and societies and municipalities to think about battery storage units uh, in different neighborhoods so that each neighborhood is self-sufficient in a way uh, or as much as possible that brings a different uh, that brings a change also that the electricity authorities on the power transmission level are looking into for example in swedish in sweden uh, svenska kraftnet they are looking into uh, their transmission lines <clears throat> are definitely not enough to cope with the electricity consumption that will happen in uh, the next 30 years or so. But on the other side, if the power production is being closer to the consumption, so we don't need those thick cables for the tra for transmitting the electricity all the way from north of Sweden or most of the, uh, the rivers are and the hydropower plants are down to the south where the consumption is because the production and consumption are very close. So that will change the the infrastructure for the power uh, transmission for example um, another change that we will see happening is that well the con the prosumers are much more into the electricity market and electricity trading and even the the neighborhoods would be f forming kind of clusters well, why don't we invest here in solar rooftops and battery storage units and start to sell electricity to the city instead if we have a very clever scheme to do that, if we can spare um, the, the, the energy that we spent in uh, heating or cooling, that is electricity we can sell as well. So it's not only 
contributing to the to the environment, but also making money out of it. So there will be those changes in the behavior for people, in the behavior for the entire market. Uh, besides that, you will see things that we are already seeing uh, that we were not seeing before. Uh, power companies that are generating electricity in uh, Germany, they are selling throughout the entire Europe. Power companies uh, maybe generating electricity in Ukraine could be selling uh, electricity somewhere else as well. So the, the, the energy market is becoming more international and that was uh, not the case a few years ago. So those changes in behavior and of course, uh, bringing, increasing the complexity a little bit um, all brings us to there will be more needs for digitalization and hence cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. And also talking a little bit more about the electricity demand, more and more things in the industry is becoming, uh, it's going towards electricity and stepping away from other stuff. So we see the push for the transportation, for using more electric trains instead of uh, airplanes and, and so on. But on the airplane side, we see electric airplanes already mm -hmm. being powered by sun. Uh, so then you see more and more electricity solutions like that. So mm -hmm. it, it's really it's really a tipping point in uh, how what we used to know as the energy segment is, is changing dramatically. So those are the things that I, I see happening increasing the demand for, for cleverer products and, and more robust products like ours, uh, both in the energy sector and in the transportation sector. So that, that is definitely, um, that's definitely something that my son will, will, will take it for, for granted. Yeah, that, that was obvious. Uh, how, how couldn't you see that happening? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that will be very clear to see in a few years. I like the shift that rather than someone coming over for a cup of sugar, they're asking for a couple of kilovolts to power their car. <laughs> you know, that's that's the change. Your boy's going to go over and it'll be like, you know, I'm not baking a cake. I need to charge my car. I need a, you know, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that, that's, that's, that's really. Or my, yeah, or my Tesla is full of battery. Would you like to buy electricity from exactly. me? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now that's some really interesting insight and 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 you know i think you know we, things are changing you know rapidly i think um you know every, every day something new is coming out and like you said about electric airplanes and everything i i think i think it was france that recently has been promoting you know greener travel by trains for example on, on internal transportation rather than taking a flight so it's not just going to be the local, you know, users that are going to be changing. It's going to be, you know, and like I said, on the larger scale, it's going to be government policy as well to, to that's going to change our electricity needs as well. So um, we're going to be really seeing a big shift in the energy sector. Um, but yeah, no. So, so Evelina. Yeah, I was going to say we, we began our, our talk about talking uh, about brands starting to shift uh, or companies shifting their brands uh, actually towards you said green logos uh, everything uh, renewable um, and, and obviously my background is from marketing um, and social media is a huge part part of th that world uh, and I know that Monaco is also um, quite into social media and all of the possibilities that, that comes with that um, and with that being said, uh, I was wondering how you think social media 
is or can be also affecting the energy industry um, and the transition that we are seeing right now? Yeah, well, I think from from my perspective, uh, social media is uh, is really uh, and me being a global uh, sales uh, representative. Uh, so social media is the key to spread the message extremely fast in an extremely efficient manner. And we have seen that before the pandemic. And now we have seen that even stronger the need to communicate through digital media to social media, that you can bring the message, even if you're staying in the other side of the ocean, uh, but you can still bring your message across. Uh, so that has been very, very powerful. And, uh, and yeah, the companies are already using that for in the energy sector to influence our behaviors, to show how good they are doing, how green they are, and how much they are, they are uh, acting upon this area. Uh, so the well, if you if you follow the main energy companies worldwide on LinkedIn, for example, you see dozens and dozens of publications and and people relating their facts as well and 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 promoting it and 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 the interest being more uh, on the sustainability on the environmental sustainability, if I put it like that. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of social media indeed. Uh, I I try to to do as much as possible on LinkedIn at least and uh, promote our stuff, promote our knowledge, our great solutions that we have at Westemo and, and, and everything that we learn. And uh, yeah, I'm all for it indeed, as you guys I, I, noticed. I, I agree with what you said. And also not only is it a social media a great tool for companies to get uh, information knowledge out there, but, but I think it's also something that consumers can use to, to put put pressure on these companies to, to go towards this more uh, green future that we are hoping and aiming for. Um, Absolutely. And also, uh, if, if uh, our listeners here to this podcast uh, want to hear you, Monaco, talk more about uh, energy and the 3Ds plus the C, we do have... Uh, a video series out uh, on that topic um, on YouTube. You can find it on LinkedIn. You can find it uh, on the Westmo website too. So check that out after after this podcast if you want to hear more. Yeah, absolutely. I would. Uh, yeah, thanks for the hook, Evelyn. And I would invite uh, everyone to <laughs> to visit uh, LinkedIn, especially my page, and uh, <laughs> and like my publication because we yeah. have an internal challenge here at Westmo that I'm. Uh, uh, I was challenged to bring more likes in my personal post than uh, what the Westermo company page did. And I think we're my, I'm beating you guys by five times now, something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, well <laughs> I, I knew what I was getting into there. Uh, and uh, it really shows uh, the, the effect that a, a single person can have on, on a movement, on a topic, on, a, on an industry. Um, parallel to, to a company. Um, so, so you did that, Monica. You you do have a great, great impact <laughs> on, on people <laughs> around you. So you really deserve the cake you will be getting. I was going to say, was that is that the forfeit? Is You, you mentioned a cake. So, so yes. for context, well, is, is, we, is... We decided even if I were to win the bet, probably better for me to make the cake anyway. If, if I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So what, yeah, what if, kind? Evelina, Evelina asked me, but can you bake? I said, don't worry, I'm gonna beat you. So I, I don't need to bother about that. Can I bake? That's irrelevant. I'm gonna beat you, no worries. So what, what, what cake do you want, most importantly? Oh, that's uh, Evelina's specialty is a strawberry cake, right? So yeah, then I'm I looking said. forward to it. Um, well, you just I'm have to, looking forward to, to get on a plane, get back to Sweden, because you're currently <clears throat> in Brazil. Um, yeah. And I'll get you um, Swedish strawberry cake. Well, fresh, oh fresh my strawberries. God. Fresh strawberries from Sweden. That sounds amazing. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, that's probably what we, we, we've got time for today. So, so uh, Monaco, thank you so much. You've been fantastic. Um, you know, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your, your day today. I think, is it early in the morning for you a bit with Brazil? So, You've just... No, no, it's okay. It's 11, 11 in, o'clock okay, in the morning. Okay. So, it's so, okay. so it's not it's not too early. So yeah, thanks for, you started the day with us, but thank you for that. And, um, you know, this is this is some really interesting stuff. And, and I'm sure we're going to be hearing much more from you, um, you know, much more on this. And like Evelina said, there's lots of information with you on LinkedIn. And I'm a bit, I'm a bit biased. I don't know whether or not I want the Western side to win or... or, or um, or you to win Monaco. Five, five all, all, all I want is the cake. So I'm going to go with whoever stick wins. To winner, yeah. Stick to the winner. Yeah. Yeah. Stick I to the winner. Yeah. I can't concede. I'm giving up. <laughs> <laughs> all the glory to you, my friend Monaco. <laughs> but thank, thanks for your, for your time today. And um, we, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate so the opportunity much. as well, uh, Ant and Evelina. Thank you very much for giving me the time and, and space to, to talk about it. And... Uh, as you guys said, I'm, I'm passionate about it, so no, no worries at all, anytime. Working with Monaco is such a pleasure. His energy and insightful nature helps understand the challenges within the energy sector. We're very thankful for him taking the time to speak to us today, and we can't wait to interview Luigi in the future, as we're sure he'll follow on in his dad's footsteps. Thanks for listening. This has been the Vestimo Podcast with Evelina and Ant.